Oh, darling boy, you said you were a lady so that you could use the ladies' dressing room. But then you took your semi-stiffened penis out. And then the girls and women, they did fume. And then they ran, they ran out of the dressing room. And then they made a viral video. And they were called transphobic by the media. But it turned out you were a pervert after all. Thank you very much. You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Hello, caller. You've reached WKRZ. Uh, this is Keith and the Groundhog. Uh, we understand that you have a dedication. Yes. Well, welcome, caller. Who's your dedication for? What's the story behind it? And what song would you like to play? Uh, well, boy, you got me off guard. Um, I would like to, <laughs> I would like to dedicate this song, and I'm so glad it's WKRZ and not WKRP. I know. Uh, yeah, we give that a lot. I would like to dedicate this song to my electrician, Evan. Oh, that's you know, usually, you know, it's a boyfriend, girlfriend here on Keith and the Groundhog. What um, to your electrician, Evan? Yeah, you know, he's just he went above and beyond. And I, I'm just so incredibly grateful. Um, you know, he got here. He ascertained the problem. He realized he had to go into the crawl space. He had the tools necessary to remove the lattice work and actually get underneath. He went under the house. I could hear him sliding under the house. And, you know, you don't, who, who goes there? Who would want to go under a house? You just don't know what's there. And, you know, he went in there and he has been working nonstop on, on my house electrical problems. And I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful. Wow. Well, that's uh, nice to hear. Um, it's, uh, eight Oh five in the morning here on your drive time. Um, where it's nice to always hear about uh, someone who does their job. Well, uh, Evan, uh, yes. the electrician, um, uh, get, when, what's your name, sir? My name is Carl. Cause, uh, from Carl, uh, in the, in what, in what part of, um, what part of New Jersey you're in Carl? I'm in Evanston, New Jersey. It's named after commander Michael Evans from the, the revolutionary army. Oh my gosh. And then your electrician is Evan. Oh my goodness. I didn't even make the connection. Amazing. That, that's what we do here on Keith and the Groundhog. What, um, when is the last time you saw Evan and how is he doing on the project? He's been underneath the house for about two weeks and, um, you know, it's, it's hard. I'll be honest to, to kind of get used to a lifestyle off the grid, but I know he's under there and he's dutifully working at it. This is the kind of dedication that you really want from somebody. You want someone who's going to care about your project 24 seven. Yes. But boy, it's got to be tough not having no electricity here for the last two weeks. It's, you know, it's when you, when you don't have electricity, of course, you know, you, you got to empty out the refrigerator, but there's still a very powerful odor of rotten food. And, you know, I just, I just deal with it. I open up the windows at night. I'm upstairs in the room. Fortunately, the nights have been cool. It hasn't been too uncomfortable. Um, Claudio, my dog is, is going ballistic. I can't, you know, he's clawing at the floors. Um, but aside from that, you know, a few sleepless nights with Claudio, um, I'm just, you know, lying here in the dark, fingers crossed, uh, waiting for electricity. And, um, when, when Evan comes out for meals or drinks, do you guys have a chance to catch up? I have no, I haven't. He does not. He's just, this is, this is what I'm talking about. This is the kind of dedication you don't get anymore. Uh, he has been working nonstop on fixing this yep. problem. You know, he's not, he's not taking meal breaks, cigarette breaks, potty breaks. He doesn't seem to need to call home to anybody. His phone has actually been sitting in the kitchen uh, since he got here. And, 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 um, you know, and he's obviously a popular man. It's been ringing off the hook and it's mm -hmm. just, it's on 3% battery left. But anyway, I'm, um, what can I tell you? All I can do is, is listen 
to my dedication on, of course, my phone, because that's the only source of, of electricity that I have. It's not really a source of electricity, but I've got some battery life left and I, I just want to hear, I want to hear a song dedicated to him. That's really amazing. I can't tell you how much I'm going to tip him. I imagine a um, 144 hour electrical project would be uh, pretty costly to begin with. Well, we'll discuss that when he comes out. Um, what do you, what do you plan to do when you see him emerge from uh, underneath your house? I am going to give him just a big old high five and just say, thank you so much for, for what you've done. Um, I, you know, unfortunately I don't have any cold beverages in the house to offer him. Everything's room temperature at this point. I will make it up to him. And you know, you can guarantee that I'm going to write a great review on Google and Yelp. That's great. Weather and traffic together coming up after this. Uh, I just heard Claudia walk into the room. What, um, well, how, what's, what's Claudia doing? It sounds like he's kind of excited. Looks like he's working on a bone. You know, he buries things all around the house and then he'll dig them up and then it, it, you know, it can be really gross. And this is a particularly nasty looking bone to be quite honest and quite big. It's just a creepy looking, just kind of mess of, of, of bone and, and it's gripping a screwdriver. <laughs> well, that is strange. Uh, any other dedications for you before we let you go? Um, Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Oh, what's lovely. And who's that going out to? Evan. <laughs> you really, really, this guy really touched you in a, in a really deep way. He's a good guy. Do you, do you not have any love in your life? My wife left me, you- to be honest. Stormed out on me one night, slid underneath the house, and that was the last I saw of her. She she slid under the house as she as she left you. Yeah, she's all drama, uh, and she just never came back out. Yeah. What what's the under what's the underside of your house like? Is a well. <laughs> it was built in an old Indian well. <laughs> it was an Indian well. Yeah. You know, I knew you don't build on top of Indian graveyards. We all learned our lesson from Poltergeist. So I found a well and I built on top of that. Are you thinking maybe some Indians were buried within their own well? Oh, I know they were. How do you think I got this land? Um, well, uh, you know, Carl, thanks for calling in. This is Keith and the Groundhog. Thank you, Next Keith. Next up, Billy Joel, seen from an Italian restaurant. Bottle of red. <laughs> hey, Brian, how you doing? Hi, Jack. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. What's new in your life, buddy? Well, oh my goodness. What do I tell you? Well, uh, my son is leaving his old school and going to his new school tomorrow. Okay. So, and th- so that happened and listeners will remember that. Um, why don't you give them the, the, the thumbnail 30 second? Well, right his now. old school went a little bit Looney Tunes, uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to the social justice, just a little over the top. And, uh, and so we said, you know what? I don't think I want to subject my poor boy to four years of that. So after the teacher blew the whistle and all hell broke loose, I said, okay, you know what? Maybe we'll go somewhere else. So we're going somewhere else. Oh. Well, there you go. Congratulations. And have you alerted the school to the, uh, the, 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 the present school that you were leaving about this. Yep. And in order for me to get a chunk of my tuition back, I had to wait 14 days from the start of the school year in order to qualify for whatever uh, reimbursement. That's interesting. Um, What was their, what was their reaction to the reason of your leaving? And um, did they try and convince you to stay? Was there any sort of uh, back and forth or, uh, or resistance to give your money back. Hey, anything going on there? Yeah, there are two, I, de- I dealt with two people. One seemed understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when I said that, ah, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't kind of expect the school to go in this direction. She's like, yeah, I know. And uh, the other one was more defensive because she said, you know, why are you leaving? And I said, well, I'm not really happy with the direction the school's going. And, and uh, you know, the whistleblower really kind of, um, you know, lit a fire under me. She's like, well, how do you know what she said is true? And I'm thinking like, I know because I'm a parent and I know what's going on there. And I know the yep. teacher, it was my kid's English teacher. And I, you know, and I, she doesn't have a reason to blow her career up uh, except for getting the hell out of there and letting people know what's going on. So 
I didn't want to get into it with her. So I just kind of like left it at that. Okay. And, um, and I got another recruit actually. <laughs> Somebody contacted me. They're like, uh, is there any chance there's an opening at this school you're talking about? And I'm like, I'll find out. And I just did. And apparently there is. Oh my gosh. So you are, you're actually going to be able to take another family yes. out of, uh, of, of that school. It looks like oh it. My yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You know, whatever it takes to, uh, to make a point. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and you specifically, you, you went into the school and met with, um, you said you're going to meet with every single staffer in the school. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's really interesting. So how did, and cause you wanted to let everyone personally know your story. Um, you know, from the cafeteria lady to the, to the principal. I walked, yeah, I spent the, I spent three days at the school just mm -hmm. making sure, you know, going out to be, did I talk to you? Yeah, yeah, you did two days ago. I'm, okay. Just want to make sure you know what's happening and then I'd even launch into it again just to make sure. Yeah, no, I'm sure they, that was very entertaining. Yeah, no, they, and, uh, you know, at this point I'm not allowed on the campus. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I kind of wore out my welcome. I understand. And I think it yeah. was the banners and stuff like that. Oh, what did the banner say? Uh, hey, hey, ho, ho, head of school has got to go. <laughs> That's not going to be popular. Well, I needed it to kind of, you know, I wanted it to be like something I could point to and get all the students to sing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you should have done like a, like an Adele song. I don't know her. <laughs> I, yeah, I know you don't, buddy. <laughs> um, so what, what were some of the other things like, you know, in your in your exit interview with all the 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 you know, branches of the school, you know, what did you and the, um, like, let's say the lunch lady talk about? I just, I mean, I let her know. I'm like, you know, uh, I said, listen, you and I know slavery never happened. And then I gave her a wink and then I walked away. That was your entire conversation with the lunch lady. Just the lunch lady. Private. <laughs> okay. So that was the lunch lady conversation. What about, um, the facilities manager? A facilities manager, I, I just said, you look at these facilities. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I run them. I'm like, they look mm -hmm. shoddy to me. And he's like, they look pretty good to me. I'm like, and I just looked at him. I said, screw you and social justice. And I just ran across the campus. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that was appropriate or kind. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I'm very confused when I'm there and I really don't know how to articulate my position. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just kind of just start shouting randomly at people. Yeah. Denying things. Sure. Uh, I'd say all I got. And you said you had a, a, a moment with the lacrosse coach, right? I did. W what happened there? Well, I just, I said, you know, those sticks. He's like, what about them? I'm like, they're phallic symbols, dick. And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, think about it, patriarchy. And then I just gave him the middle finger and I ran across the campus again. <laughs> it's just you kind of. Cutting across the quad all day, yeah. yelling incoherent half headlines. Which my son hates. Like he's humiliated. He's looking out the library window. I see him there and is, he's just looking out the window. It's so forlorn. And just as you see the shame, you can see the shame from like, I'm 150 feet away at least. And yeah. I can see the shame and, and just the agony that I'm putting him through. And so I'll just give him the finger and then run across the campus. <laughs> Well, Brian, you've really made your point. I wanted people to understand where I'm coming from. It's very disturbing. I can see why you're banned from the campus now. I'm, uh, yeah, and my son doesn't want me to come back home, so I'm not sure what to do. I have nowhere to go. Um, I'm working it out. Okay. Well, hey, man, you know, um, you, you've always got a home here on questionable material. I mean, not to live at. Well, you've got a home. You've right? got a home. I, de I definitely do a locked home. Well, there are ways around that. Yeah, but I mean, but I, you know, I'm, I, I, I've got the second amendment, uh, working up in here. If anyone tries to break in. Well, I've got the third amendment and that me, I just, I'm in the military and you need to, it's, I struck down the third amendment and you need to house me in your home. You have to provide me quarter. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, if it's, if it's the law, then I, then you've got a place here, buddy. It's the law now because they, they swapped out the third amendment of uh, the no quarter amendment uh, with the abortion. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And that was Clarence Thomas's, th- it just said abortion, comma, no. And that's the Third Amendment now. And it took him three months to write that. Three months to write that. He's so slow. <laughs> so, Brian, I don't know if you saw, um, uh, you know, your, your favorite uh, uh, congresswoman, of course, is. Oh. Um, Whenever she tweets or speaks from her heart, uh, it, it's just automatically is like it's just you're just nodding along like I was going to say that. I believe you are talking about my favorite a rising star, uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. That's right. Of, of course, that's who I'm talking about. Just again, it's sort of like um, it, it's sort of like she's your thought bubble. It's yes. like she just is always saying the things you're thinking. And it's 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 like you guys are just so simpatico. Yeah, no, it's amazing to me. Like she'll be just talking away or just mouth moving. And then she says stuff and I'm like, oh, my God, I was just thinking that it's almost like. I have a direct line into her. Mm-hmm. Like my yes. thoughts just go in like upper bum and then through her body and then out her mouth. It's really a beautiful, beautiful image and a beautiful way to say that. Thank you. So I, you know, I, I know that you were at the Met Gala mm-hmm. this past week. Yep. Um, and you were with her when she was wearing her uh, tax the rich dress. So she was in this, you know, incredible sort of gown. It, was, it looked like she could have come right off the red carpet at the Oscars, but sort of like in red ink or tape or something, tax the rich mm. was uh, was on her dress. Mm. And I was wondering if you could just sort of walk us through um, the entire evening that you and uh, AOC spent together and, and sort of tell us what she was thinking and, you know, other ways that she was that she or you two were expressing yourselves. Well, you know, first of all, we went to her favorite designer friend because mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to pick out a dress. We wanted something, you know, that had, a lot, you know, spunk, but yep. not in the Monica Lewinsky sense, like in the, in the kind of like the attitude <laughs> sense. And so her friend. Oh, uh-huh, go ahead. Right. Yeah. Right. Her, Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Um, Her friend uh, has, well, had a store. She stopped paying the rent, so she got kicked out. So Mm -hmm. she had a a new place where uh, she could hide from the tax collectors. And um, and we went through all the dresses and we were were like, oh, what do you have that has like, just like an empty, meaningless slogan? And she's like, you know, no farms, no food. And we're like, no. And then we just kept going through and it was, um, you know, coexist. We're like, mm-hmm. no, that's really, that's just an, an empty thing. Uh, witches are real. We're like, no, no, that's just bizarre. That's just, um, <laughs> release the Snyder cut. Release the Snyder cut. Yeah. Oh, for Zack Snyder releasing um his version of Justice League. That's weird. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, then we saw Tax the Rich. Sure. And we're like, perfect, because you're going to be at this event with your friend who doesn't pay taxes. Mm-hmm. And as long as they don't find that out, it won't be embarrassing. And they, you'll see all these rich people, $35,000 a ticket looking at you and your fancy little dress. It says, you know, tax the rich. And so like, we just high fived as we always do. And we agree on something. And, and then the, we were like, yes, this is the one we want. And we said, and we said sold. And her friend took it and didn't charge us any sales tax. Cause she doesn't pay taxes. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so tell us about like, you know, um, arriving at the Met Gala and sort of like bringing those sort of socialist um, uh, for the people type of ideals to the, to the Met Gala. Well, it's funny because we brought a guillotine <laughs> and we, we are towing it behind the, our, um, we are towing it behind our Tesla mm-hmm. and we got there <laughs> and I got out of the car and I unhitched the guillotine and I started rolling it towards the Met. And the security people stopped me and they're like, what's up with that? I'm like, I'm making a statement. And, uh, you know, this is it. And, and they, they looked up, they're like, so that's a, a, it's a guillotine and it's got a dangerous blade. I'm like, oh, it's, da- it's dangerous for the rich. And I just looked around at everybody. Oh, awesome. And they all looked at me and I'm like, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? And they, they kind of, you know, they nodded. Mm-hmm. And then I, I pointed to AOC and I'm like, I'm with her. And she waved to everybody and they all melted because they love her. So she's sure she's so endearing. And, uh, and then, but they made me leave the guillotine outside. What? And because RuPaul wore a guillotine uh, the year before. 
Did he? No. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, love, I love that. These people are so crazy that I'm trying to improvise along with you. And it's so crazy. They're so crazy that it's believable. Yeah. I mean, they just wear stupid stuff. I don't even get it. Yeah. I don't I get it either. I don't belong in that scene. No, you don't. But, and yet you still chose to go there. Okay. So that's, that's, and, and then what was it like going through security, you know, especially well, with, um, you know, AOC must not like, you know, the police presence there, I would assume. Yeah. She was, I mean, as soon as she saw them, she tried to defund them. Like she said, give me your wallets. And they're like, oh, hold on a second. We don't have to do that. That's theft. And she's like, is it, is it? I don't know. And I, and I was like, yeah, I think it, I think you can't force them to give you, you know, you can't, you can make the government force them to get, turn over their assets, but you can't personally do it. And she, you know, and then we high fived cause she understood. And, and then of course we asked everybody to mask up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're like, we don't want to walk through a security court on if, you know, unmasked, if you guys don't have masks on. And so, right. then we, you know, we got through that. And then you have people walking around uh, with trays of champagne. Right. And I saw this guy and he was unmasked and I couldn't believe a, a servant is not wearing a mask and right. here he is with a whole tray of champagne glasses. Yep. So you can imagine what I did. I, I, I can, but I'd rather just you tell me it would I, be better on a podcast for you to like verbalize it. I, I said, Oh my God, the penguin. And I pointed <laughs> and he spun around and I kicked him in the back and the whole thing went flying. There was no proof that I did it. He didn't see me do it. Uh He had his suspicions. (laughs) But they took him out of there screaming and yelling and he was pointing at me. Mm -hmm. It was funny. (laughs) It sounds like a good uh, time was had by, I don't want to say all, but by some. I mean, certainly a lot of us were having a really good time. I mean, those of us without masks on. Yeah, no, of course. I, you know, I, I, it's disappointing that the servant class could be so rude in a situation like that. You would think they would listen to their their superiors telling them mm-hmm. to wear masks. You know, and it's yeah. not, it's just wear the, don't do what I'm doing, which is not wearing a mask. I want you to wear a mask. Don't mm-hmm. stop looking at me, maskless me, and just focus on yourself and put a mask on it. Yep. And that's, that's what good. my dress said. <laughs> said put a mask on well, that's right so you you wore a beautiful gown as well is that right yeah i wore a gown because i you know i'm gender fluid as you know yeah and uh, and I, I once aoc realized that we high-fived and then so we, you know we i had my my said put a mask on it and it was made of masks and that oh. way like there, there was no way anybody could not wear a mask in yep. my presence because all they had to do was reach to my dress and, and pull one out right Although by the end of the night, I'd walked through enough hired help that I had almost nothing on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did see, you know, because I have a Google alert for Google images for you. I I saw a lot of pictures of your dong that night. Yeah, I mean that's a, I had put most of the masks there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so that's just what happens. So that's where that's where just people would reach to to get them the servant class. Yeah. Once they saw my shirt. Okay. And and who did you and AOC, um, you know, uh, you know, again, you you guys are so of the people like, you know, who did you guys hang out with at the Met Gala? Well, I thought it was Kenny Loggins, <laughs> but it, it turns out, uh, it was not Kenny Loggins. It was Jay Z. <laughs> oh man. I, I, does- I, I don't know. He does rap. Yeah, no, I've heard that. So um, we talked. I asked him how the rapping business was. He said, mm-hmm. he said it was pretty cool. And, um, but he, most of his attention was devoted to um, talking to my date. Sure, sure, sure. She's the belle of the ball. She really is. You know, and finally, how, how did you and AOC end the night? I mean, you, you know, you guys are so, again, um, so well, so grounded and so, you know, always thinking about the poor and everything. And I was wondering how you guys uh, ended your night at the um, Met Gala. Well, it got a little contentious, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, because so I had as part of a joke, uh, there's a company called Be In A Box. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
and they will send a bee in a box to the person of your choosing. And so I had sent a bee in a box to uh, the cousin of Nicki Minaj. <laughs> and um, he's apparently allergic to bees. Uh-huh. Oh, he opened the box, it stung him, and his testicles swelled up. <laughs> he told his cousin Nikki, mm-hmm. uh, and then she got on Twitter and and just created this whole crazy conspiracy uh, that you know that was actually the, the vaccine that made his testicles swell. When I knew it was the bee in the box, right? So you know, I high fived AOC and I told her <laughs> what I'd done. I said, listen, uh-huh. I thought it was a bit of a prank. I sent Nikki's cousin a bee in a box and she said, mm-hmm. you know, why would you do that? And I'm like, you know, for, for fun, you know, for comedy. She's like, what's funny about sending a bee in a box to somebody? And I was like, and I showed her that his testicles and I said, <laughs> the picture that they sent me. And she's like, what are you doing? And, and I said, I was like this, that's comedy. And she says, you know, she says, no, that's, that's not comedy. Comedy is this. And then she stands up and she goes, Donald Trump sucks. And everybody there just went clap, 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 clap. Oh my gosh. Like a full episode of the daily show. Yeah. But it was only just like a brief 30 seconds. Unbelievable. That is really comedy. When you hear something you lightly agree with, that's great. Yep. And then we, um, you know, that was, we, she kind of put her in a bit of a funk. So we walked to the stretch limousine and kind of got in there and we sipped our champagne, you know, quietly. We didn't really talk. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was a little sore at me about the be in the box. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I okay. feel like, you know, I don't know if you saw her, but she tweeted today that there needs to be legislation banning box bees. Oh, I did not see that. Really? Yeah. yeah and that's kind of, that's kind of my doing. Oh, buddy. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> and and you're an investor in that company, right? Yeah. So um what I you know, it's a tax shelter to be to be <laughs> honest. That's the irony of it all. It really is ironic. <laughs> so Brian, you know this, but I don't think I've discussed this on the show. Um uh, Betsy, my wife and I are looking to possibly move I from knew, our, I knew, I knew she was going to leave you. I knew it. Knew it. What? No, we would be leaving the house together. What? Sorry. I, she had said some things and I, I just, I jumped to conclusions. So both of you are moving. That's great. Oh. Where are you moving? Um, uh, new, uh, possibly New Jersey to be what closer. You- so, so, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just a little thrown off by what you said. So I wouldn't move to New Jersey because if you move to New Jersey, you have to have those yellow license plates that say New Jersey on it. And then what happens is you come into New York City and everybody mm-hmm. judges you mm-hmm. saying, just why don't you turn that car around and go back out that tunnel or over that bridge and back to it whence you came. What's funny is that I know this is one of those rare moments where you actually speak your actual beliefs. It's not my beliefs. It's New Yorker beliefs. You know that. <laughs> but. But it is also your belief that that is the reason you could get a $10 million home for $100,000 and you would pass on that opportunity because it would come with a New Jersey license plate. It is. It is definitely something back when my kid was going to that school and we were thinking about maybe living near it. Yep. Yeah, it, it was a point of contention. Mm-hmm. I, I kept saying, I don't want New Jersey plates. Mm-hmm. I know. People will judge me. And it's true, like when you're in when you're in New York City and you see like a BMW tearing down the road like a maniac, and it's got New Jersey plates, you're like, "You son of a bitch, you get out of here, get yep. out, get out of here." Boy, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, I'm so glad to share with you and uh, and everyone that we're looking to move to New Jersey to be closer to my daughter's school as well. Moving to New Jersey to be closer to your daughter's school. What about mm-hmm. your son? What about his uh, education? Well, he will eventually then uh, go to that school as well, but he will be very upset at the fact that he will be leaving his friends at his school. They don't care. They don't like him that much. They've been, I've been hanging out with them. They've been building up stories and kind of making him feel good about himself. But at the end of the day, uh, they, they say very mean things. And I, you know, the sooner you get him out of there, the better. What, what do you and Jack's, uh, you know, Jack is 10. What do you and Jack's friends uh, do together? We play poker. 
you know, we like to go down to the park and just, you know, shoot the breeze. Um, uh-huh. We do like beer pong, but, you know, I swap it out with them because I'm not allowed to give them alcohol. It's the parents mm-hmm. keep telling me. And so we do it with just, you know, we'll do it like Sprite or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it gets sticky and messy, but it's still, we have a lot of fun. We play pool. Mm-hmm. Like we get into shenanigans. Oh, I love shenanigans. You like to pants the sheriff. <laughs> you, know, okay. it's really you get them. So the sheriff's walking down. And the kids kind of surround him and he's, you know, they're like, oh, Mr. Policeman. And he, you know, they get him in a kind of a fun mood yeah. and he's talking to the kids. And then I come up from behind and I just pants them. I pull those things down and, and then I just run off. And that, I mean, it's, and then the kids whip out their phones and they make videos. And then that's, if you've seen a lot of viral videos of the Sheriff of Dobbs Ferry. I have. I, I yeah. Yeah. Shuffling around with his pants around his ankles. That's, that's us. That's my gang. Oh my God. <laughs> you and your crew. <laughs> they're my crew and they're fun. They're, they're good kids. We have a good God. time. You know, does my wife think it's weird? Maybe. Do I care mm-hmm. what the world thinks? No. Did Michael Jackson? No. Did John Wayne <laughs> Gacy? No. <laughs> yeah, the big three. I mean, you can't have a Jersey license plate, but <laughs> you can hang around with 10-year-olds getting them half drunk as long no, as you I, don't have those plates. I try to switch it out to Sprite as much as possible. Every once in a while, they get one of my cups. But, you know, it's funny to see a giddy 10-year-old. But so, you know, what are some things I need to look for, ask for as I, as I look for a home in New Jersey? What do I need to, um, how do I need to proceed with real estate agents? Well, um, you know, you want to tell, you, you got to be upfront with the real estate agent with exactly what you're looking for and, and be very, very specific. Because, you mm-hmm. know, these people are just going to throw 150,000 different houses at you unless you're specific. Yep. So, you know, when you talk to the agent, you say, listen, I want a house with windows. <laughs> I don't want a, a, a cube mm-hmm. that's just, you know, a bunch of walls because it's dark. And if there's not a door, there's no way to get in. I want a door and I want windows. And you'll see okay. them, they'll write that down. They're like, okay, great. You want, and like, you know. And we need a place to go poo-poo. You know, we're tired of running outside. You need, I want a room in the house dedicated to, to bodily functions. Mm-hmm. You know, number one, number two, the shaving thing, you know, just mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, so you get like a dedicated poo room. A dedicated poo room. Okay. So tell me you want a dedicated poo room or, you know, PP2. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you probably need a cook place. So, you know, you, if you don't have a cook place, then what are you doing? You're eating out of bags. I guess. Uh, yeah. Like a horse. You know, I guess, you know yeah. So, Sorry. you know, you need a, you need a, you need a, a cook place mm-hmm. and a poop place and a sleeping place. Well, can, if you don't have a cook place, then maybe you don't need a poo poo place. Cause what are you doing? Right. Well, I mean, is that a way to eat, save money? You got to eat somewhere. <sighs> yeah. I guess you're so, right. You know, you tell, you know, tell them what you're looking, what kind of walls do you want? Do you want, you know, do you want the walls made out of animal skin or (laughs) or do you want drywall and brick or wood? You know, Mm. you need to be very specific because if you tell them animal skin, you're going to get a teepee. Yeah. I don't want a teepee. You don't want a teepee. They're they're terrible to keep uh, uh, warm in the wintertime. They're, they're easy to cut into. Right. If you have you know, rowdy neighbors or thieves in the neighborhood, you know, you're, you're going to wind up sleeping and then suddenly a, a Bowie knife comes through your, your, <laughs> your wall and just starts slicing it open. And next thing you're, you're open to the elements and it's a big mess. So I would specify you want wood or, or brick even. Well, worse than a Bowie knife, uh, you know, possibly separating my family from their mortal coils is um, cultural appropriation. Like that's That's not a line I need to cross. Yeah, that's the other thing. You don't want to do a TP unless you're an Indian and you don't look like mm-hmm. an Indian to me. I don't see you doing a powwow. I mm-hmm. just see you talking into the microphone. I don't see mm-hmm. a bow and arrow behind you. No. Uh, you seem to be dressed in cotton. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, you're right. Don't get a TP. This is, this is right. good house hunting stuff. So now you want to ask, okay, you want to get ascertain what the neighborhood is, mm-hmm. right? Are you yeah, that's important. You don't want to live next to Tony Soprano, do you? Not particularly, no. 
Because what happens? You, your kid does something, scratches his car, and now you you meet you're uh, in the in the eye of a mafia guy. Yeah, and there's a lot of mob out there, from what I hear. Yeah, it's pretty much three three out of five people are mobsters in in New Jersey. Good God, sixty percent of the population. Yeah. So now, what you do is, you know, there are subdivisions. Okay. um, And some of them don't allow mafia guys. What? (laughs) But you just, you know, go by the names. If it's if it says mafia estates, then don't you don't want to live there. Okay. But if it's like Department of Justice, Department of Justice estates. Mm-hmm. You know, witness protection land <laughs> probably you'd be better off there right atf phil atf yeah um you know the what are you looking for well i mean my biggest concern when i walk into a house is, is this house haunted has right. anyone died here mm-hmm. and then and in new jersey the, i mean it's got to be impossible to find yeah was there a whacking here are mm-hmm. these whacking stains <laughs> you know, can you come over here? Is this a bullet hole? Oh, it's mm-hmm. not. Oh, it's a nail. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. And that, cause the, I'll be honest with you. There are whacking stains all over my house, my current house. But now we're talking about a mafia execution. Are you talking about? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I got, sorry. Okay. Right. Yep. Okay. How do you know if your house is haunted though, Brian? That that's, you know, d- tell us. You just, you know, you call out, is anybody here? Was anybody here murdered? Do, do you need to go to, you know, follow the light? Do you need to follow the light? Do you, do you want help? Uh, that's the, that's, you know, so that's the one thing you get, make sure it's not haunted. Two, you want a dry basement. You don't want to deal mm-hmm. with, with a wet basement. Oh, smart. So, yeah. Yeah. So what I do is I go downstairs and I check out the basement. If the basement is dry, then I high five AOC. Or whoever's around me. And if it's wet, then I look at the real estate agent and I'll say, oh, you think I'm in the Navy? One of the things, Brian, that so many of the houses that we're looking at out there have is a swimming pool. I know yeah. you have a swimming pool. What, yeah. you know, what are the questions I need to ask about um, pool? Because I, I know nothing about it. Maintenance, uh, safety. I, I don't know about any of that stuff. What, do I, what are the questions I need to, to, to ask? Well, is it for, is it a chlorine pool or a saline pool? Okay. Uh, what's the depth of the pool? Has mm-hmm. anybody drowned in the pool? Is the pool haunted? <laughs> because you don't want a haunted pool. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, is it wet? If your pool is wet, it's the opposite of a basement. It's what you want. If you have a dry pool, <laughs> you don't want that. Okay. You want a wet pool. Wet pool, dry basement. Am I getting yes, that right? And that's, you got to get that right. Otherwise you will buy the worst house in the world. You want a wet pool and a dry basement. Okay, good, good, good. All right. You want the poopoo place to be in the house, not in the pool. <laughs> the cook place in the house, not the pool. Okay. If you cook in the pool and your cook place is there, all your food will be watered down. Oh man. Assuming your pool is not dry. How do you keep all this stuff straight in your head? You know, you, you just, you got to keep buying houses and selling houses <laughs> and certain things stick to you. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess that makes sense. Any sort of, and, and how do you, like, is there a good way to haggle? This is my last question for you. A good way to haggle price because, you know, we want to, um, we're moving primarily because the taxes are so darn high here. Right. Uh, that coupled with my going to my being closer to the good school that my daughter goes to, but we pay an astronomical people would be floored if they knew how much we paid in property taxes. Um, yeah, it's more than my mom used to make in a year at wow. her job. Um, well, it's, it's awful. So you know, what's, what's a good way, what's the proper etiquette for, um, haggling on house prices? Well, uh, you want to find something wrong with it. Okay. So you want to, you know, bring an inspector in, have them tear the place apart. Like is, is something, how old is this roof? Does it need fixing? Does this thing? And, and one thing I always do is I will uh, unscrew the lattice on the side of the house and crawl underneath the house. And if it's built on an Indian well, you can get a really good deal. Uh, Jack. Brian. I got a way for you to make the podcast some money. Oh, excellent. How can I, yeah. how can I help? Well, uh, audiobooks, Jack. There's a lot of money in reading audiobooks. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Sure. 
And so uh, you, you, uh, they're auditioning audiobook readers. If you luck into an audiobook gig, you know, you, you basically sit down, you read a book into a microphone and you make a chunk of change. Yeah, that makes sense. And would I have to read these books on the podcast? Uh, yes. I just sent you one. Oh, okay. So this is an excerpt from the book. And, and so, it's, so a publishing house has reached out to you for this opportunity. A publishing house contacted me. They said, we love wow. the podcast and we'd like Jack, because he's got kind of like the everyman voice, uh, to read uh, the, uh, this particular chapter because okay. um, he, he seems like he might be right for this book. This particular book is called The History of Wales. Oh, well, okay. And it's a, a history of Wales, the, <laughs> the creature, not the, the place in England. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great, great Britain. To be right. Good. Correct. So, um, okay. Um, uh, did you get it? I, I just got it. I've, n- I've never read this before in my life. Good. So let me just do a quick read and then I'll, no, um, no, no. I'll they want, it. they want the natural read. Otherwise it sounds stilted and fake. They need you to what? just kind of read it as you would be if you were just reading a book. <sighs> okay. All right. I guess that makes sense. Okay. I'm ready. Take it away. Okay. A history of Wales. In the late winter and early spring, blue whales typically begin to leave the Atlantic Ocean and enter the Gulf of St. Lawrence to feed on tiny crustaceans called krill. Krill are 6,000 times more abundant than Chinese people. You you lose it when you laugh, Jack. We don't get the gig. Sorry, I I forgot the rules of this. Sorry. I'll stop laughing. The largest animal known to have lived on Earth, a blue whale, can reach 100 feet in length and can weigh up to 163 tons. By way of comparison, this is equivalent to 20 African bull elephants. (laughs) Or 1,263 Lena Dunhams. (laughs) Despite their enormous size, blue whales are beautiful. They were not hunted hunted for their oil-rich blubber until 1864. The reasons for this were related to the great speeds they can attain, up to 31 miles per hour, and their tendency to sink when slain. Whalers focus on the three species of Eublana whales, since their bodies have a higher blubber content because they have high-fat diets like Lena Dunham. Regardless of their blubber content, they are beautiful no matter what. That's a fact. Also, because of their big, beautiful fat content, Eubelena whales tend to float after death. Thus, they were christened right whales, meaning they were the right whales to throw harpoons at. Things went horribly wrong for the blue whale population after faster steam-driven whaling ships began using the newly invented harpoon cannon. The harpoon cannon was the invention of Captain James Dowell, an English whaler whose appearance seemed straight out of a pirate movie. He had an eye patch, a wooden right leg, and a zucchini for a penis. <laughs> Captain Dow blamed blue whales for the death of his daughter Elizabeth, even though all evidence pointed to an angry gay guy who lived in the apartment upstairs. <laughs> With the harpoon cannon entering into service, more than 380,000 blue whales were slain between 1866 and 1978. They remained critically endangered. Their propensity to sink after death remains an inconvenience to those attempting to study its anatomy. Scientists, upon hearing that a blue whale may be on the precipice of death, will rush to the ailing whale in boats or helicopters, hoping to get a quick glance of its massive whale boobies or harpenis, which is what sailors call whale schlong, which is Yiddish for fish dink. (laughs) This is supposed to be some sort of scientific text or so and it's really it's an interesting book it was the history of whales i you know i thought you'd be right for it they thought you'd be right for it um well bumper but it's also by the way can i say that some of this um the facts in this uh contradict twice it said they sink when they die but then there's the sentence (laughs) because they're big beautiful fat content ubulana whales tend to float after death like which is it well, the blue whales sink. The Eublana whales Eublana. float. Okay. That's why they, right. the sailors actually called them the right whales. They were called right whales. Right okay. whales. Well, That's go. okay. Dog we dog. got another chance. They sent me another script for you to read. <laughs> not a script, not an audio book. Okay. There's, you know, the, the, there's some questionable material, to borrow a, a, a title from my favorite podcast, in that yeah. book. 
Um, well, it's a it's a real book, and it's about the history of Wales. Okay, but All right. one I just sent you is a romance. Oh, and and they thought you might you might have a good touch for that. Uh, it's called Nobody Knows I Love You. Oh, okay. Uh, I've and just I opened it. I've never read this before. Take her away. Okay. Nobody knows I love you. The sounds of Tone Loke streamed through the speakers mounted on the walls, providing a mellow oasis as Holly melted her mind and body in her jacuzzi. It was just what her sore muscles and nostrils needed. Speaking of nostrils, the sandalwood vanilla candles tantalized them, allowing her peace and serenity after a challenging day at the office, dealing with her humorless boss, Mr. Wayne, and his uptight nostrils. This nightly escape was her coveted ritual that kept her sane. Moments like this allowed her to meditate and reflect. Tomorrow she had the day off, and she knew that her landscape and she knew that her landscaper, Marco, eight years her junior, was going to be coming by. In the years that he'd maintained her yard, she'd never gazed past the flowers and plants to realize that he was the man of her dreams. He had the nostrils she'd been looking for. It wasn't until one day, while working in her backyard during the searing heat, she watched him remove his white t-shirt, revealing his chiseled, dripping mocha chest and nostrils. (laughs) As she sat in the jacuzzi and breathed in the sensual sandalwood aroma through her nostrils, she began to dream about what would happen tomorrow when she executed her plan of seduction. After inviting Marco inside for strawberry lemonade, she would gently brush past him, just enough to give his nostrils a taste of her perfume. She'd make small talk, all the while adjusting herself to make sure he got a good view of her nostrils. (laughs) Then she'd claim that her muscles were tight and ask Marco to rub her shoulders. He would sit behind her, his nostrils flaring, (laughs) his nostrils facing the back of her head, and begin to rub her shoulders with his warm Guatemalan hands. She would moan with pleasure and slowly lean back to give Marco a glimpse of the edge of his... (laughs) A glimpse of the edge of her nostrils. You like these? She would say, pointing to her nostrils. Very much so, Marco would reply. Slowly, his hands would make their way from her shoulders to her cheeks and then gently brush her nostrils. (laughs) So as to subtly let her know that he was very interested and the game was on. Soon, they would be nostril buddies. (laughs) She would slowly turn around so that they were both nostril to nostril. They would uh, kiss passionately, their nostrils occasionally touching and sending jolts of electricity through their bodies as though they were cattle being electrocuted to make burgers. (laughs) Marco would stand up, removing his cargo shorts and boxers. He would flare his nostrils at her. She would drop her sundress to the floor and fall back on the sofa. Nostralize me, she would say. (laughs) What? Weird. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I've ever read. That's a romance. <sighs> okay. It's a, a romance book. You know, they, they, they don't get the best writers for those things. Clearly. It reminds me of Fifty Shades of Grey, to be honest. <laughs> the writing quality was not particularly quality. Yeah, but at least that book and that series of books was kind of still kind of hot, right? Yeah. It's just a I bunch mean, of nostril stuff. There does seem to be a lot of obsession with nasal stuff. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, huh. Well, I just sent you another one. Oh, okay. We've got another chance for you to make some money. You just got to get through one without, you know, without being unprofessional, as they call it, in the audiobook okay. business. All right. <laughs> just got to just gotta that, keep it keep it real. So, and that's, that's, that's very much just in that, that industry, they call it? Yeah. Being unprofessional? Okay. Yep. It's just one of those terms. Okay. I've Uh, uh, gotten script number three. This book is science fiction. It's called The Big Sleep. Ooh, okay. And it's about space travel. Oh, fun. Okay. Traveling Um, a long distance in space or something. Okay, great. Um, I've never read this. I've just opened it. Tell me when to begin. Take it away. Okay. Serious, collected. Here we go. This one's for the money. The Big Sleep. Big Sleep. Jibble's eyes opened slowly and began to focus on the screen in front of him. He was in a haze as his mind slowly began to fire up for the first time in 212 years. That's the time it took to get to this galaxy. And for that time, he'd been in stasis. 
a state of suspended animation where he was kept on the very edge of death, just alive enough to be able to endure the two century journey. There was a hiss and a stasis. There was a hiss and his stasis capsule slowly opened. He sat up and took in his environment. He was in the room he'd entered 212 years ago, filled with stasis capsules like his. He heard the hissing sounds of the, uh, uh, of the other capsules and would soon be talking to his colleagues. The fact that they were being awakened meant that they were only three months travel away from planet Kestron 7. Soon, they would begin their mission of introducing the aliens of Kestron 7 to the joys of critical race theory. He looked to his left and saw Janna. She waved. Systematic racism, she said. Systematic racism, he replied. He was excited. In three months' time, they would be setting foot on a new planet and teaching the inhabitants to view everything through the prism of race and gender identity. The aliens would certainly love them for it. Janice stepped out of her stasis capsule, slowly and unsteady. Her muscles hadn't worked in 212 years, and her brain hadn't worked since she graduated with a degree in fat studies. <laughs> they was a non-binary cervix-having person. Jibble smiled at they them. His pronouns were he him, which made sense because he was penised. <laughs> I'm a male feminist, he proclaimed to Jana, secretly hoping to one day decolonize they's vagina. <laughs> uh, shoot. shoot. And, you know, that was very um I could tell that it was written recently, very of the moment, you know, the yeah. doggone it. That would have New paid. Ah. It had the feeling of Asimov to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you took a, a lot of the fun out of Asimov. Well, not, not Isaac. Oh, well, which one? Wally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. No, Wally is, yeah, this is very par for the course for Wally Asimov. Yeah. Wally ran a, like a, um, a storage place. <laughs> he wasn't the greatest. Yeah. Not much of a writer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, man. I, you know what? I try so darn hard and it, it gets me every time I get tripped up. Something gets me every time. Listen, I mean, you know what they say, if you throw enough stuff, uh, eventually something sticks. That's yeah. You nailed it, buddy. Great job. Hoping you stick. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, it's not confusing at all. Well, that wraps up another uh, episode of questionable material with uh, Jack and Brian. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me on our podcast. Review us and all that, Jack. I would not do that, but I would request that others do. It's nice when they do. It really is nice. Yeah, there's a lot of free content, man. There's a lot of work. Don't be a jerk. Yeah, you don't be a jerk. No, I was talking to them. You're delightful. I thought you were calling me names. No, no, just our, just our listeners who we depend on. <laughs> that was questionable material with jack and brian subscribe on any podcast platform watch our clips on youtube visit us at qmpodcast.com 